talk continuously, continually about uh, Christ, our treasure, and from this particular message is the treasure of life. It could be named the treasure of his life, but the treasure of life, that is the value and the wealth of the life that you and I are presently enjoying. I want us to look at Romans chapter 5. Uh, we'll look at uh, several verses beginning in six, uh, the sixth verse. <clears throat> Let's kind of go through this, and I'm going to walk a little hurriedly. Uh, but if you feel like I'm walking too fast, you can do something like that. And when, I, and when you do that, I will slow down. Is that good? Yeah. Okay, if I'm going at too fast a pace. <clears throat> Verse 6 says, For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly, the not godly, the ugly folks, mean. He died for mean people, smart Alex. For in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. And then he tells us in verse 8, God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners. Can you say still sinners? You were at that time a sinner. It says God, or Christ rather, died for us. God demonstrates. He showed it. He showed the amazing love he had in that when we were all messed up, jacked up as some of the kids would say, Christ died for us while we were in the midst of our sin. While we were contrary to him, opposed to him, breaking his laws, he died for us. Verse 9 says, much more than having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. And so Jesus Christ uh, died for sinners. And Paul tells us even more than what I've been saying. Paul is saying much more. I love it when he says much more than. So having... Uh, justified us by his death, we shall be saved from wrath through him. And so the Bible is very clear that you and I will not experience the wrath of God. It doesn't mean that we can live raggedy lives. does not mean that. Well, I'm just a human. Well, you are a, a person, a human being who now has the life of God. God's own treasure is called Zoe. It's the life of God. Paul goes on to say in verse 10, uh, that for if when we were enemies, now if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more, he says it again, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by what? His life. We shall be saved by his life. And so what Paul is saying is that uh, re uh, this reconciliation that Jesus has brought about, uh, appropriated for us, uh, is the removal of the enmity that stood between people, you and me, and God. So this reconciliation is for us. As Pastor Bird said very well this morning, it's not reconciling God to us, it's reconciling us to God. Enmity has to do with hostility that we have had toward God, hatred we have had toward God, ill will that we have had, and strong dislike. I was talking to somebody recently, and um, we, uh, I was with some wonderful people, and we were going to pray. I was asked to pray. And when I, I was asked to pray, somebody there did not like God because they, they felt imposed upon and did not want to pray. That's what God has removed through Jesus. We were all hostile actors. But, but he says, no, 
we shall be saved by his life. So that doesn't mean uh, that. That means that his life as it is right now, we shall be saved by that indestructible life. And so you've got to say something for the Lord to, to know that God has been so generous, so magnanimous to you, so copious, generous, so copious that he gave you eternal life right now while you're sitting here. And some of you may have aches and pains, but you've got eternal life in the midst of that weak body of yours. That's amazing. So, so this, this is the amazing treasure of life, of his life that God would give to us. So that's why uh, nothing that the enemy throws at us is going to be able to stick eternally. It's not going to be able to overthrow our faith. Sometimes you may wobble, but you're not going out. You're not going to go down and out. Yeah. You know, it's like if you're watching the boxers or the UFC fighters, and sometimes they'll get punched really hard, and you'll see them wobble a little bit but they refuse to go down. And you and I refuse to go down because the life in us refuses to go down. The life in us cannot go down. It is indestructible and undefeatable. That's what's going on. But you and I have to know that. That's why God takes us through all kinds of experiences so we will know that. Wow. You say, I'd like to know it some other way. No, you can't learn it any other way. You're a human being. As one of my little brothers used to say, you're a human being. So, so Paul tells us in Romans 5.11 that we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice how he brings in Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ is indispensable to our salvific process, our salvation process. Our salvific process, Jesus Christ is indispensable to that. Everything per- he does pertains to that. It says so. Uh, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom, Christ through whom, we have now received the reconciliation. Not just reconciliation, but the reconciliation. Colossians chapter 1, verses 26 to 28, sort of, they help us as well to understand this amazing treasure that you and I have. You should guard your treasure. Guard your treasure by staying in the Word of God. By, by regular um, assembly in the house of God. Guard your treasure by yielding to the Holy Spirit when he leads you to do things that are uncomfortable for you. Yield, yield to God at all times. Guard your treasure. That's how you guard your treasure. You don't guard your treasure by, by buying a new 357 Magnum. <laughs> You're not guarding your treasure, but I'm guarding my treasure. No, buddy. No, you, you know, that's earthly treasure where, where a be- person with a bigger gun can come and take you. Yeah? But there is no bigger gun, as it were, using, using this uh, uh, figuratively. There's no bigger gun than Jesus because Jesus by himself defeated the hordes of hell by himself. Now, I want to I be friends with somebody like that. Yeah, I want to serve a God like that who didn't need any angelic help. Now, yeah, Wow. So, so we have to understand what God has done for us. So often we understand in small measures. Let's understand it in a huge way. So Paul tells us in Colossians 1, verses uh, 26 through 28, the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations. Listen now. God kept this thing a secret. He didn't tell the prophets. He didn't tell the kings. He kept it a secret. Paul says uh, nobody knew it. 
like we know it. Now notice. But now has been revealed to the saints. To them, God will to make known, what did he will to make known? What are the riches, the wealth of the glory of this mystery among you, the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. Christ in you. They always knew of, of Messiah is going to come, but he's going to be outside you, they thought. But he says, no, he wanted you to know that the difference in you, between you and all who preceded you is this, Christ in you, God in you. And who is he? The hope of glory. And then Paul doesn't say we preach about him. He says him we preach. We have to preach him. Talk about him, the wealth of God being given to you. He says, how do you preach him? Warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. So, wow, this is big. So he wants to present us perfect, yes, mature in Christ. So every hangnail doesn't affect our life. You know, like the little kids. Look, Daddy, Mommy, I hurt myself. You go, oh, yeah, baby. I think I see it. <laughs> we, don't, we don't want to be like that. Everything bothers us. But even the big things, we get through the big things. We, 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 we jump the low hurdles and we jump the high hurdles. And the mountains that are in our way, we push them out of the way. We don't have to climb them. Our faith, we move them through Jesus Christ. So it's an amazing thing about God, isn't it? Let me look at Romans chapter 5 again and look at verse 12. And then we'll go to, to verses 18 through 21. In verse 12, Romans 5, 12, he says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because of all sin. Now, he wants you to understand that God is not the author of death. Satan is, is the author of that because when we sin, when Adam sinned, this is when death came through sin. Now, listen what Romans 18 says, uh, 5, 18. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. So, so that whole creation is condemned. It's worthless. Even so, through one man's righteous act, he's speaking of Jesus, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. And so when God has done something, he has He has given us an opportunity to have this free gift. It came to all men. And what was the result? Justification of life. So God has declared all of us to meet his approval. All of us who have faith. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. Many will be made righteous through the process of sanctification, through the process of what you are going through. God is now going to cause you to not just be declared righteous, but made righteous. This is amazing. I love the song we were singing, uh, the song that we were singing about um, made, not made free, the stanza. 
made free. You know, the King James, I love the King James because the meaning can be made and set, right? It can be made, made and set. In some cases, it's set. But I love the King James uh, understanding of this because, because Jesus doesn't just say, here you are, slave to sin. He said, go ahead, you can go now. No, what he does is he does it, God does a, an amazing work in the, the repentant sinner and causes that sinner to become a new creation. Somebody shouted it out over here. Uh, you know, that we are now a new creation. Those of us who are in Christ Jesus are a new kind of humanity. And so he makes you a new kind of humanity. And then he says, now you can go, baby, and spread this reality to others. Wow. 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 So I, I, I wanted to insert this part of, uh, into my message, and, uh, and so you just go with me a little bit. And so he says, moreover, the law entered that the offenses, or the offense rather, the sin, might abound. He said, now, isn't that something that God brought? He brought the law so that we would know how sinful we were. We would never have known how sinful we were without somebody saying, uh, God, or God having a law that says, this is wrong. You shouldn't covet. You shouldn't lie. You shouldn't steal. And you go, oh, I've been taking that stuff, and I didn't feel anything about it. I've been acting as it were normal. She says, no. So the law entered, so uh, why? So that um, the offense might abound. Uh, and so then the, Paul tells us, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life. Listen, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let me read that again. But where sin abounded. So people are saying, well, we need to go sin so that grace can abound. They say, oh, you got it all wrong. Where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So that as sin reigned in death, even grace might reign through righteousness. So it doesn't matter how sinful the sin is, God says, I'm going to give you such an abundance of grace so grace might reign, so the unmerited favor of God might reign through righteousness, what? To eternal life, to eternal life, righteousness will reign to eternal life, destination, eternal life, vehicle through Jesus Christ our Lord. Wow. So death is defeated. Why? Because Jesus is alive. Death is defeated because Jesus is alive. Were Jesus to be dead like the other so-called prophets, and many religions have their quote-unquote holy man, they're all they're prophets, but they're all dead. They couldn't do anything about death. Death whipped them, kept them in the grave, but Jesus is alive. That's why death is defeated. Say amen with me, somebody. So Paul asks a question, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in saying that grace may abound? That means when we talk about grace abounding, we're talking about uh, to be made more or to increase in such a way that it super abounds. There's, there's such an abundance of it that, that there's no way in the world that what is opposing it can survive or can do whatever it works, it, it, it works are. It cannot do that because of the abundance of grace. And so what Paul is telling us is that where there is sin, and you can see that in the lives of people that you know. Now, don't look to the left or the right right now. (laughs) 
but you've seen people. They were living like the devil all their lives, or almost all their lives. They were living like the devil and living like the devil, and suddenly the Word of God came to them, and they did a switch. It was changed. They were going in one direction. They did an about-face going in totally in the other direction. Everybody said, what's going on here? He says, that's a superabundance of grace. There is nothing that the devil can come against you with. There's nothing he can pour out on you that can take you under. No, because the grace, the grace of God will cause you to bob up. You'll just bob up. If he tries to trip you, you fall down and you get up. If somebody says, remember one of the best basket, basketball, basketball, basketball players, uh, they, they said about him, it was, they didn't know they were almost quoting a scripture. Fall down seven, get up, gets up eight. Yeah, he, he was such a, a very, very good ball b- b- player. He said, fall down seven. He would play with reckless abandon. Falls down seven, gets up eight. No, that's the life of the believer. So though you fall seven times, you still get up. That means if you, as it were, perfectly fall, if you should perfectly fall, you'll still get up. You fall as, so, as to destroy your life, but you'll still get up. That's the superabundance of grace that God has given to you. That's the life. That's your treasure. Because grace is a person. It reminded me, we were, we were somewhere preaching in the world. And we were preaching, boy, we were preaching Jesus, you know, just showing everybody what Jesus was. And somebody came up, and I had preached, and they came up to, sort of try to almost, I don't know if it was intentional, I don't think it was intentional, but just nullify, try to nullify my Christ for the message. And Reverend Stan Max said, don't, don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. I said, hey, man, I can't, don't do it. Because <laughs> he knew something said just rose up, right? I wanted to have such an abundance of grace that I was going to smash it all. He said, don't do it. And I said, Lord, okay. Okay, he said this about five or six times now. If, I, if I'm not to do it, help me, show me how. And it was such an abundance of grace. I never had to address the, the wrongness of what was said. I never had to because grace is a person. It's the person of Jesus Christ. And so Paul goes on to say, to say the, in verse 2 of Romans 6, how shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? That, that's such a, a great question, isn't it? Because for those naysayers, how can you die to this world and still live in it? Let's say physical death. That person in the casket is gone. That person in the casket doesn't have any worries about this world any longer. And so Paul is using that as, an, as, an, uh, as to give us an understanding of you and I dying to sin. He says, you and I, how can, how shall we who died to sin, and we die to sin through the death of Christ when we exercise faith in him, how shall we live any longer in it? Or do you not know, he asks, as many as of us, as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? He says, okay, when you were baptized into Christ Jesus, you were baptized in this death, of which water baptism is a wonderful picture. So when you and you, we take, in our church here, we, uh, we, take, we take people and we show what actually happened. We take them, and in the name of the Father, the Son, Jesus Christ, put them under the water, 
and the Holy Spirit, we've raised them up. And we show, we show a good picture of you having gone down with Christ into death, and now you're raised up to a newness, an amazing newness. So this is the treasure. It, it, it seems to me, and I want to speak as a, as a human, it seems to me that God went to great lengths to give us himself. Because when you look at all the, those who went before us, all humankind, they all had a mess up point. Have you noticed that? They all had a mess up. It's almost like, I'm going to mess this up, you know? They had a mess up point. But he says, okay, this is what I will do. I will become a man. I will, I will send my son. I will, I will send Jesus, my son. I'm going to send him in the likeness of sinful flesh, not in sinful flesh, but in the likeness of a human body. I'm going to give him a body, and then I'm going to cause him to live a perfect life, or he will live a perfect life, life by my power, and he will die a perfect and victorious death, and he will be raised up, and I will put everybody who had faith in him, they will have the same rising that he has had. And they will have the same power that he has. They will have the treasure of the life of God in them. Wow. It's so big. And so Paul goes on to say, therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death. I like it. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we. Just stop right there. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we. Before I have my bodily resurrection, I've already had one. You've already had one. Because now, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Past life passed away. And look, all things are now New, new in quality, new, different, new. So don't tell anybody about your failed testimony. Let's tell them what Scripture says. Even so, we should walk, or let's say shall walk, in newness of life. See, death to sin is separation from sin's power. You and I have died to sin. That means sin is not so powerful, it can make you do something. Sin, sin is not so powerful. It's just the devil made. No. You have to yield. Because, you know, I learned this when I was a boy, uh, taking the cows to drink water. I learned you can take a cow to water, but you can't make them drink. No, no, don't go under the other part. <laughs> you can't make him drink. I pushed the head down in. When that cow had enough, it knocked me back and blew all the little water out of its nose. So I don't want any water. And you can say that to the devil. I don't want to do this. I don't want to get angry. I don't want to act crazy. I don't want to. Get out of here. Be gone in Jesus' name. You say, well, I don't, it's not that easy for me. You haven't gone far enough. You've got, you've got the treasure of God in you. God's life. 
I, I like to say this. I, it, it's not a, 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 I'm not picking on it, but I remember when, when the first lady, Nancy Reagan, was, uh, her drug campaign said, just say no. Well, I found it very interesting because I thought no sinner can just say no because they are captives of the devil to do his will. They cannot just say no. But you can because you have the treasure of God. You have the treasure of God in you. Hallelujah, somebody. Listen to what Paul says in verse 5. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death. Let's, let, let's say, for since, if is since in this case. For since we have been united in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. We died the same death he died. Now we have the same resurrection he had. That's what Paul is saying to us. This is such power for the believer. So you and I don't have to live these fruitless, uh, uh, this fruitless life or fruitless existence and always saying, I'm sorry, I just can't help. I can't help. No. Jesus has already helped you. That's why you can help it. Now let's read some more. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. That's why God did this. It's a, it is amazing wisdom. This wisdom is not earthly. Listen to what he says. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Wow. Death no longer has dominion over him. It's like, because it's a point in the man wants to die, so death is kind of, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, it's like, like uh-huh, I got you, uh-huh. So it's a point in the man wants to die. So Christ died, but, but on that third day, Broke the shackles of death. Kicked him, it's like, kicked, got out of death. Nobody had ever done that ever in the history of creation. And he says, that was your death, and that was your resurrection. That's what he's saying. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Such a great explanation. You have to be with God to know this stuff. Really, Paul had to be with God. He says, he died to sin once for all, but the life, look at the life, the life, this is the same life that is in you now, that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also. As he is, so are you. As he is, so are you. As he is, so are we in this world. Wow. Let me read that one more time. For the death that he died, he, di he died to sin once for all. In other words, he died and he was taken out of the jurisdiction of sin. But let's change direction. The life that he lives right now, he lives to God. Likewise, you also. The life that you now live. I know Jesus is on the throne. I know Jesus is seated on the throne. The life he lives, he lives for God. Likewise, you also. 
reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God. How? Where? In Christ Jesus, our Lord. Wow. He lives to God. Let me say a couple of three things. And, you know, I always have such confidence that I can say it all. But let me just tell you a little bit about the treasure of his life. And I'll be quick. John 3, 14 through 16. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have what kind of life? Eternal life. Verse 16. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John 5, 39. You search the Scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me, Jesus says. John 10, 10, he says, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they, you, may have life, and they may have it more abundantly. Overflowing life. Unconquerable life. That is for right now. That's not when you get to heaven and put on your shoes and walk around and spread the news. It's for right now. When you get up in the morning, you put on your shoes and walk around and spread the news. That's what that's about. It's for right now. Can you just say with me, it's for right now. The life of Jesus is for right now. And, and this is eternal life. That we may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Amen. Thank you. We'll be back in a moment.